guys welcome to 2020 just 2020 it sounds weird eh? we're all the way in jam 2020 super rugby uh, season our first podcast for uh, for this year um, playing advantage we are back for for round two as always i've got my three mates with me damien hey guys keeks hello and kevo how's it myself marco um, we're mostly going to follow the same agenda uh, items looking at Super Rugby this year. Uh, firstly, look at our first impressions, uh, go through some of the weekend's results. And we're going to be focusing mo- mostly on the South African uh, games, uh, just chatting a bit more in detail about them. Uh, as always, also play of the week, our plonk of the week, um, our favorites reference section as well, and then looking ahead to next week's uh, games as well. Uh, but guys, as always, let's start off with first impressions. First impressions. Well, I'll have a crack first. Um, my first impression is just the sheer amount of unknown quantities we have this year. I mean, if you think about it, how many guys have you seen, maybe at best in Curry Cup, that are now coming up and kind of making a name for themselves at Super Rugby level? I know it's only been one round, but... Um, not only in the South African context, but all over Super Rugby. Obviously, there's been that mass exodus of the established players. Mm. But I think that's really exciting. We've got you know, young blood, new talent coming in, guys going on tour for the first time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my take. I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I think there's going to be lots to, to come about and come of it. So, my first impression is, yeah, I'm just pretty excited for this year, as Dame said. Um, it's going to be quite interesting. Mass exodus of players, um, the new guys coming up, and I just think that I hope that this is the year that a South African side can actually do well in the cur- in the curry cup. In this, <laughs> that's a given, I guess. In the Super Rugby competition, I like think the, um, the Jags in. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, looking at the Sharks, I was quite impressed. I mean, they always start off well, unfortunately, and then they just disappear towards the middle of the season. Um, so yeah, I'm just uh, I'm stoked, and I can't wait to to get stuck in. Um, yeah, my first impression is pretty much the same thing. I'm excited to have my weekends filled up again. I didn't know what to do for a while there. Um, but I was quite pleased because, as everybody's mentioned, uh, after a World Cup year, there's always this uh, huge mass exodus, big rebuilding phase, new coaches, new players. And um, for the most part, I was quite pleased at the quality of rugby. There were a couple of games that had a lot of scrappiness in them, but I expected the whole conference um, to have scrappiness all over the place. And for, um, for a first week, I thought there were some exciting games played, a couple of upsets, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, happy with that. Yeah, I think my first impression uh, would be that I think after every World Cup there's this mass exodus and we're all expecting this rebuilding period and 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 I was very pleasantly surprised with uh, the Sharks looking decent uh, and also the Stormers who absolutely dominated the Hurricanes which I mean I'm an ardent Stormers supporter, I still picked against them at home. I did not uh, think that uh, was going to happen and also uh, I had to kind of check what I was uh, smoking a few times, all these old faces who've come back. Uh, Mordenay Stay, Josh, Josh Strauss, uh, Dr. Yanni. Dr. Yanni, like, I couldn't believe what was going on. So you couple that with all these young uh, babies who you've never seen before uh, in your life that maybe just were playing school rugby last weekend and with the old guys. So it uh, should be exciting. Um, yeah, so hopefully just some quality throwing the ball around to rugby. Yeah. Um, 
But let's quickly go through the results. Damien, do you have those uh, for us uh, first week of Super Rugby? Um, I do. When I get them. There we go. Uh, so first round, Blues 29, Chiefs 37. So Chiefs winning away from home, which is always a good win. Brumbies pipping the Reds 27-24. Sharks 23-15 against the Bulls, which I'm sure Keys is stoked about. Uh, Sunwolves surprising the Rebels 36-27 which I think no, no one saw, saw that coming no. where somebody oh, cats no, cats. Cats. <laughs> um, Satyrs beating the Tars 43-25 no shocks there uh, Stormers dominating the Hurricanes 27-0 and then the Jaguars beating the Lions 38-8 which Cat and I are not stoked about that was a proper hiding no, it was. Um, Alton needs to learn how to tackle. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah, so those are the results. I think for the South African sides, in general, you know, decent rugby was played for the most part. Lions had patches, but obviously with a result like that, you can't be happy, even though it is very, very hard to play away in Argentina, as we all know. Um, Sharks and Bulls, I think, were closer than the score kind of says. I think it was a very, very tight game. And then... You know, for the Stormers, like you were saying earlier, to absolutely dominate the Canes, um, who have been looking so good over the last couple of years. I think that's an absolute win for the South African Conference in general. Yeah, I think just before we get into the SA games, uh, I just saw the highlight packages for the Sun Wolves versus the Rebels. Now, I'm not saying the Rebels are the best quality side ever, but the Sun Wolves look clinical. Geez, literally some of their finishing, yes, they had a couple of nice bounces for them, but Sure, some good hands in Garth April representing <laughs> the fly half spot there. So uh, maybe he's putting his hand up for Springbok selection again. Well, one um, thing I must <laughs> that I've seen is the Aussie conference is looking as it always does. Like it's dark words. It's so yes. terrible. What was it? Was the Reds uh, the Reds versus the Brumbies? Yeah. Oh, that was. Uh, I'm gonna disagree a little bit, <laughs> and I've got the authority. I'm gonna brag while it lasts because I got the yellow cap on this weekend. <laughs> And that never happens. So. <laughs> just to repeat, Kev got the yellow cap for Super Bowl. Yeah, just you have that on the record. Mark it on your calendar. You have it on the record. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting my tattoo designed right now. <laughs> um, but uh, I did call the Sunwolves because uh, I was looking at how the Sunwolves uh, were performing last year, and the Sunwolves are the only team that has consistently developed um, without any sort of World Cup aspirations, and so they've been getting better and better and better. And I saw no reason for them to get worse going into the first round, whereas Rebels uh, also have rebuilding to do, um, just like the rest of the South African, New Zealand, and Australian teams. So I know that you guys aren't impressed with the Aussie rugby, but um, I have a little feeling, just having watched uh, some of the plays that they put together, they've still gone for their expansive rugby style, which didn't work for them in the World Cup, but um, I'm happy to see it in Super Rugby. And I think all it's going to take is for uh, a couple of those Aussie teams to get ahead of the other packs, get their systems right, and they have just as much opportunity as, uh, as our teams do. So. Hopefully, it's not going to be a completely dominated Super Rugby this time. And if the Sharks, Hurricanes, um, Stormers, Hurricanes, I should say, are anything to go by, then, you know, we've got a shot. Mm. Well, I mean, I agree with you there, but I think the Aussies, where they've lost a lot of their players, has been in the, in the packs. I think their forwards are their, their weak point at the moment. So, I think that, I'd like to say, if they can but I think, manage I think to dominate... I think be good. Their, you know, the Aussies have a habit of hanging on to these old fat oaks for, for ages and ages. Uh, Pen Robinson... In his sterling career, for instance. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a, a silly thing, though, is, is they really do struggle for, in particular, front row. So they, as you say, they hold on for dear life. Yeah. It's because they, <laughs> there's no one coming up, and then they try and poach all the Islander boys, and they, 
they're not interested so it's it's tough out there <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, I really just hope the Sun Wolves uh, can give Super Rugby the biggest two middle fingers <laughs> by going out with a bank, just playing some lovely, lovely rugby lacquer. and just yeah. literally saying you should have never, ever let us go. I mean, if a South African side doesn't win it, how cool would the Sun, sun Wolves winning it be? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Probably so, never, ever going to happen. Put money on it now. It makes some serious cash if it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. They're a dangerous team this year because there's no downside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've, they've recruited well. If you look, I mean, they've got Ben Taylor, the the Englishman, they've got a couple of Georgians there that are looking quite dangerous. So. Yeah, they don't have Gareth van Yeffer though. I mean, that's a big luck. Yeah, that's <laughs> a massive loss. <laughs> so honestly, the way that I see it is, the Sunwolves are kind of what the Lions used to be in this in this phase and in this era. If you look at a bunch of relative unknowns, mm-hmm. one or two international players like the Lions had, yeah. and. But cohesive units and played really well together. Absolutely so nothing to lose. hundred yeah. percent. Lions were in that position. <laughs> I remember watching at the Rats in Paris, and we <laughs> celebrated a game more than I think we ever had at that point that the Lions had played, just because it meant that we uh, we lost out or we missed out on relegation. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they beat the Kings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we beat the Kings. This is this has been our our journey through rugby, <laughs> <laughs> tumultuous one. Yeah. But, South African sides. Should we chat about them? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's uh, get cracking on Sharks versus Bulls. Um, so I'll, I'll open the panel. We'll open the floor. Um, so the Sharks versus the Bulls. Uh, it was a great game. Um, I think Danji said that it was a lot closer than, than it should have been. Or score the score otherwise, yeah, the, the, the scoreline was a bit flattering. But I think the, the Sharks were all over the Bulls. They, they missed... I think four opportunities at tries, and that was via knock-ons, surprisingly. Um, so I think that's just early jitters in the year, and you mm. know, first game, and players not being settled. Um, but all in all, I, th- I was very impressed with the Sharks. They were quite expansive. They were shifting the ball left and right, um, which was, which I was, I was pleasantly surprised at. You know, the Sharks have in the past have held onto the ball way too much. And when you look at the wingers, two Springbok wingers. You know, you're not giving them, you're not giving them the ball. And yes, over on Friday, they, they got the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. So, pretty stoked at that. Well, I mean, the, for me, the Bulls actually, I thought they were much stronger in the first half and then they faded a lot towards the end of the game. And I think that, you know, it's, it's almost that Mornay Stain effect where, you know, <laughs> they're grinding out penalties and, but he controls the game. And that's the thing. I think he's still got that cool head and he's still is very good at controlling the game. I just think in the second half, the Sharks were just like, okay, well, you know, we need the ball to play rugby. I honestly think Mornay Stone was one of the <coughs> standout players. Um, 100%. He, he did control the game really well. And exactly what Kiki's talking about is the, the Sharks were, were looking like the more aggressive team, but mm-hmm. they couldn't quite get there. Yeah. And that's, um, that's what kept the score low. And then Mornay Stone just keeps knocking those. If you want to win, exactly. if you want to win, it's a ball support or not. You play Mornay Stone, you know? Yeah. And, and I think for me, the game came down to two areas. Um, the one was uh, Cornell Hendricks mm-hmm. obviously dropping that easy try. Yeah. yeah. That was that was uh, seven, well with more next day on the field it was seven points, let's be honest. Um, and the other one was uh, the try by the Sharks that was so badly defended. Um a Speckman. Oh, the Speckman, a Speckman let the ball bounce. Yes. Yeah. And I mean just that guy's he needs to know not to do that. You, know, you mustn't do that at sevens, you mustn't do that in fifteens, really yeah. so. um, that that was a fourteen point swing alone and the game was tight, you know, so yeah. So I think, and I was chatting to Kat about it, and 
I said to I said to her, you know, the the thing with Speckman is he has Springbok aspirations and we all agree that he's an incredible athlete. However, I think his weaknesses were greatly shown up this weekend, particularly against two Springbok wingers. He just wasn't. Yeah, his his defense is shoddy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I said I said to Kara as well. I said, you know, when when a player needs to make contact, because in fifteens it's pretty inevitable. You're gonna make contact. You don't have the space in sevens, mm-hmm. like or like you do in sevens. And he when he got when he made contact, he was dominated every single time, and that's and that was even by scrum halves and, and smaller or slighter players, and that's just my biggest my biggest thing with him. He's yeah. just not showing Look, up. He, he had one he had one thirty meter uh, dart. Yes, it was great. and he, and he had good. a couple bashes, but I, I agree. I think for the most part, I found him being to be dri- being driven back. You know, yeah. And I could see even his even his defensive style didn't seem to be cohesive with the rest of the backline. Yeah, didn't make a hell of a lot of sense what he was doing at times. And I think the sharks almost targeted him a little bit. And I mean, yeah. they've got a full springbok, or basically a full springbok backline. Yeah, and it's so I think it's and, and that's where that's like, where Hendricks doesn't let you down. Is exactly. Hendricks Hendricks has huge defense and yeah, he, he really makes good decisions normally unless yeah. he's trying to catch ball. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, and then I, I thought the I thought the Sharks ten controlled it so well. I think when, yeah on the front foot he looked really good and <laughs> yeah Kerwin okay, we still waiting for him to kick in properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah waiting for that gear to <laughs> And when I think when when he does click it's gonna be. It's going to be disgusting to watch because it's, he's just so good on the front foot. Yeah. Can I be a sorry, Marco? Can I be a bit controversial and ask you guys a question? I think Mornay staying coming back in, and this is his personal opinion, is a step backwards for the Bulls. When um, what's a Kiwi's name? He's now at England, the Ford's coach. Um, uh, John John Mitchell. Mitchell. He. He came in and the Bulls all of a sudden started to play this expansive mm-hmm. rugby. You saw Afia's name on throwing SBWs and running <laughs> running like a center. Yeah. And now you've got this fly half that's come in who is bringing this old mindset of way back when, which it worked back then, but yeah. it just felt like he's a bit behind the curve now. You know, he's, and that's just my, the way that I see it. What do you guys think? For me, I think they brought him back in because they just need to win games again. They need to fill stadiums, they need to win games, and I think you're going to see a lot more of the Bulls rugby where they're going to grind out wins, they're going to strangle other teams, and it's going to go back to that like classic Bulls-like mentality and so on. Yeah. And it might work for them, but it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be nice to watch, but they might be successful. So you say, you know, they win games, fill up the stadiums. I'm going to disagree. I don't think you're going to fill up the stadiums winning games 9 to 3 or, you know, 12 to, to 7. So, I mean, we've gotten used to seeing some attractive rugby. The, even uh, last season with Pollard throwing the ball around. I mean, the first yeah. game last season where Speckman had a brace. In the first game, everybody thought, oh, the balls are going to be absolutely incredible uh, spreading the ball around. Um, so I don't know. I, if if I was a Bulls fan and if I saw them winning twelve uh, seven every game, I'm not gonna pay my money to go to watch that game. I think you get a couple yeah. of playoff games at Loftus, you'll see a big change. I'm with Damon on this one. I think the Victoria yeah. will go if the Bulls start winning, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, when they started losing, they left. Um, <laughs> and those awful. guys aren't rugby fans. They want to go there and win. Yeah, that's um, it. Unfortunately, Loftus, the Loftus, uh, Loftus faithful, uh, Loftus faithful will find out. How many times did I just say like this? <laughs> 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 anyway, they were um, they were found out when the Bulls stopped performing. It went to be they went that faithful. And also, I agree with James that um, the stadiums will fill up if if they they just 
in a better position on the log, to be honest okay. with you. But I agree with Keyes in that um, the rugby quality would have taken a step back. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's it's down to the players that they have, you know. They have um, like like the likes of Speckman. There's still potential for them to play exciting rugby. They've got some good players that can do that, and their forward pack isn't the classic like what we had with Bucky's yes. boys. Yes. I think they've got probably one of the most exciting front rows in the competition. Yeah. Maybe maybe they can grow into having Mone Stain as a as a guy who performs that role anyway, but without regressing the rest of their rugby into this sort of like pick up and bash yeah. style. But but we'll have to see. To be fair, the Mone Stain cross kick was like never a thing, and you know that it, with having the ball on the string like he does and having wingers like that, that could be a massive weapon that mm-hmm. they start to develop. Can we just have a a, a thought and a prayer for Mone Lubbock? Literally, Shame. <laughs> that guy's going to be riding bench for the rest of his career because they had to bring Mornay Stain out of all people back. Yeah, basically out of retirement. No, oh, no, cool. Yeah, so he, this guy's going to play in front of you. That's just going to be an absolute Shame. shit show yeah. to have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so a close game. I think we all agree. Twenty-three uh, fifteen uh, probably flatters the the sharks a little bit. Um, but uh, the, it was nothing compared to the stormers. Pumping the hurricanes. Uh, <laughs> you have pleasure saying that. Eh? Oh, <laughs> so much pleasure. Because uh, honestly, I didn't think uh, the boys were going to pull it out like that because um, they thoroughly dominated. Mm. I, I don't think the hurricanes looked like scoring once, uh, from my recollection. Um, it, it just classic performance. I think Willemse had a, a shocker, in my opinion, um, which I expected a little bit better, but then Herschel had a had a fantastic game as well. Was he still had a huge game, yeah. yeah. He was man of the match, wasn't he? Or, yeah. yeah. He, no, had, he, he had an absolute stunning. He did. He controlled the whole game and he did yeah. a lot of the job that um, Willemse didn't do. Yeah. Um, in fact, Willemse was, was out of his first receiving role a lot of the time, I find. It was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Willemse darted a bit and he, and he had a bit of fancy footwork every now and yes, again. Yes. But where, he, where his job is a 10, he didn't do that. No, he didn't. His kicking was bad, his defense was bad. Um, and his decision making was like non existent, so Herschel made all the decisions, and that was fine. You guys, and I thought the, <laughs> the Stormers forwards were very, very good at the breakdown. Yes. I thought they really controlled that well. Um, could see yeah, at a, yeah at a, I know, a I realized. <laughs> um, and then the um, I just thought, yeah, over the ball, really mm. good, and just the canes were terrible. Canes couldn't hold on to the ball, they were giving the ball away left, right, and center. It's like they looked like a preseason game for them. Yeah, they were knocking it on, and I was saying when we were watching the game, I was saying it looks like an unhappy camp. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Perinara's captain. Doesn't look like captain to me. Um, no. He looks like a scrum off to me. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. But um, certainly their systems didn't look very good. Um, everything they tried to put together fell apart by their own making, not by um, pressure from the Stormers. Yeah. Although some of it was obviously, but. They were dropping balls that shouldn't have been dropped, and they were like, they were just. And then, then ten. I don't, know, I, can't, it was a, I don't know who played ten for the Canes, but yeah, he I was rookie, yeah. atrocious. Yeah, he was so bad. Is it Ohio West? No, no, West no, 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 is some rookie. I think it's um, Fletch uh, Smith, maybe. I, I don't know. I'll look yeah. it up. But he knocked the ball on first phase, like straight off the rack. I think three, four times that I saw. Yeah, and he just it did, he did not look comfortable. On a rugby field, and under that level, yeah. just catching yeah. a rugby ball didn't look great for him. And so. then it doesn't help that your eighth man is trying to throw some fancy passes, gets intercepted. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, f- if you think about it, if if they just get a decent ten in there, 
they probably have one of the most explosive backlines mm. in the whole of the uh, competition. If you look Lamar at Lamar 12. Uh, you've got Ben Lamb uh, at the wing, um, Wes Horsen, the other one, yeah. and, and uh, Jordy Barrett at yeah. fullback. That's just that's crazy, crazy good. So Yeah, it's great on paper. Um, yeah. Maybe they're too focused on, on the counter-attack style of rugby that did so often well last year. Maybe they need to get their, their basic systems right, you know. But also all credit to the Stormers for being so clinical. I mean, I think that that's something I felt that the Stormers have actually lacked for a very, very long time. I mm. think that, that cutting edge and actually putting points on the board when it matters. Stormers always seem to almost get there and then fall apart. Yeah, and I thought yeah. they were very solid throughout. Yeah, for, for me, the Stormers were the best showing this weekend. They, yeah. looked, they looked very good. Yeah, and again, against quality opposition, the Stormers are renowned for being slow starters. So I don't think anybody yeah, saw that yeah. coming. And it's a first-year head coach, uh, uh, you know. And, but then again, the Orbi also had a—I didn't realize this—a uh, Springbok front row, uh, yeah. which was uh, fantastic. Uh, and Bongi, Bongi had a good game. Bongi had a very good game, yeah. Except uh, for some of the line-out throws, that was <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks players also just went there. Craig Burden and that other line. The fact that it's Craig Burden again. This is the thing. <laughs> you got, just come out you of got like way. Craig Burden and Willem Alberts, like yeah. two thousand and like ten again. So somebody that I was uh, watching with interest because I didn't think he did well last season um, was uh, Sibelo Sinatla. Um, I, I really like I'm rooting for though because mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of um, potential um, and I thought he played really well this weekend. I thought he did it very well on defense which he, he didn't do last mm-hmm. year. So he's maybe learning and his darts were good. I mean as opposed to he didn't have any, any like huge stand-up moments uh, necessarily but his darts if you compare him to um, uh, what's that Speckman uh, um, he was he was actually contributing and working hard and he, he was like a, a good person to have in the field rather than Speckman who was a bit of a costa what I've been finding though is that conversion of the players from 7s to 15s is now happening more and more and more because if you think about it Sinatra it's Speckman and another guy who actually impressed me this weekend was Ron Nell I thought you know I was actually chatting to Marco before the season started and we looked at the Stormers backline and we're going well there's your weak link Ron Nell is not you know, up to standard. And I thought he was very good in that game. He did. He made. I mean, that defensive cover mm-hmm. he made when mm-hmm. I think their reserve uh, scrum half came on. Yeah. And he made the break, and he made that that cover tackle. And I think thought it, I think it was solid the whole game. Yeah. So, I don't know if he was solid the whole game. I think he's got a lot of notes from that game. But mm-hmm. so, but he definitely rocked up, and he gave his full um, his whole heart into playing the game. And he did make some important um, plays. And I think from a first game in the in the Super Rugby, that's what you want. No, sure. And well, I mean, compared to what we expected him to be, I thought he was yes, much better. Yeah, sure. He was by no means perfect, but yeah. he was he did what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, any any final thoughts on uh, on the Stormers there? I haven't watched. I mean, so I've been very quiet. Maybe just on injury notes. Apparently, I think they said Sia out for six weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah, really, that uh, was bad. It was quite late as well. Who else? Bongi as well, isn't it? Bongi, wait, yeah, he, he, he did go out, but I didn't see if he's, uh, if he's out. He's did also injured. He's injured there yeah. was two guys from the Stormers side that were injured. Yeah. Yeah, two Springboks, so it could be Bongi. Yeah, then it must be. That's not good. Yeah. Um, and Ginger's last thoughts on that game. I expected a little bit of a bigger impact from Roberts. Uh, he was almost like a ghost for me. I didn't see uh, much of him. Yeah, Jamie he was Roberts. quiet, but I think... I think probably what he brings is a lot of leadership and a lot of stability sure. to the back line. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, if, if you've got someone marshalling 
the back line, especially if your 10 is not where he needs to be, yeah. your 12 becomes way more important. Mm-hmm. And I think just that, that experience so. probably is what would be held the Stormers together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll just put something in here. I've already said I haven't watched the game, but um, Sir John Kerwin, the Kiwi pundit mm-hmm. and ex-coach and all of that, he's, he was talking last year um, about New Zealand defence. Mm. And in particular in Super Rugby, the Kiwi sides, they all focus a little bit too much on the counter-attacking. You mentioned it earlier. And I think this is now a sign, clearly, that they don't focus enough on defence. He said, and he posed the question to the guys he was sitting with, and he said, um, you know, are the Kiwi sides just really good at attacking? Or is their defence... or?" Are the team's defense systems really poor? And, and you've, we're trying to, he was trying to deduce what it was and trying to work out exactly what it was. And, and his conclusion essentially was that the Kiwi side's counter attacking ability is really good. Their defense is not as good as the South African side, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and he was saying that they could very well in the near future be exposed. And I think, hopefully, as a South African, we've seen <laughs> this now. As hopefully we'll start to see this more yeah, and more and in we, Super Rugby. We talked about it a lot actually because I mean how often have we said the way you can beat even a side like New Zealand yes. is you go and play rugby against them. You know, if you try to if you try to bomb it at them, they'll just yeah. take the ball and run it back at you and that's what they love doing because yeah. their attack is good. And and I think what the Stormers did is they just never let up uh, off the accelerator. They played the rugby and yeah. the Hurricanes were looking for their opportunities and they just never came. Yeah. And then you're absolutely right, then the whole, there's no other game plan for them. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, to a team that didn't look like they had any game plan, uh, Lions versus <laughs> Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Do you enjoy that? Eight, oh, Why isn't that? Do you enjoy uh, that? Uh, I, I, wrote, I wrote it down last night and I thought <laughs> this, I'm definitely going to use this. Um, 388, uh, nine supporters uh, around the table. Can you please take us through what so I, I stayed up late last night to watch the game. I got some dark okay. rings around my eyes, not just from the late night, but also from the school <laughs> night. Um, and from crying a bit at the end of it. But um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. I think of all the teams in our South African conference, the Lions have the most rebuilding to do. We've lost a lot of players. We've lost our coach. Um, we're starting from square one. Um, and Alton Yankees is one of the most experienced players in the field. Uh, that should tell you all you need to know <laughs> about where, where our rugby's at. Um, so, yeah, we didn't. We hung on in the first half, uh, 10-8 in the first half, and then we just let it go. Poor defense. The Lions were playing catch-up rugby, and the Oaks were just not experienced enough to play proper rugby, and they were letting three soft tries, uh, for those of you guys that didn't see it. Um, it was just a case of stupid defense and the scoreline towards the end of the game started building up more and more and more as the Lions took more and more risks. Yeah. And um, it was clear as that that's exactly what happened. Um, one try would have turned the game, but at the end of the day, the Oaks have to learn to play rugby under whatever condition you find yourself in. Um, and so I think we always expected them to lose uh, in, in the, the, the Jaguar tank. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but I thought there were really some positives, and one of the positives I found is that um, we're continuing to chase this expansive game mm. uh, the Lions like to play. So we, um, I saw Alton's, uh, his tackling was, was horseshit, but his tackling was always horseshit. So uh, he was still playing nice and flat, and uh, they were looking dangerous on attack um, at times. And I think if the Oaks sit, go back to the drawing board and try to learn from their mistakes, we could see the Lions do okay this year. 
I don't really think it's our year, to be honest with you. But mm. as far as rebuilding goes, we do seem to have the ingredients player-wise. Mm. I think we'll get there. I think it's it's the little things. And like we were saying before the podcast, we were chatting about it, that for so long the Lions have had this game plan that you know we, we will outscore our opponents. So it's fine if we leak a couple of tries. And I think now we... As well, last night especially. Look, I didn't watch the game. I got home. There was no power, so I watched the highlights this morning. But the what I could see was that we weren't clinical enough to be able to chase that game plan. And the Jags were. I mean, we we got exposed a couple of times, and they got called back for a forward pass. So, so the Jags did play very good rugby. I think the Jags are going to go very far in the competition this year. The thing um, about the Jags is their attack is so good. No, it's moment. so I mean, clinical. Like they, they just they cut through the Lions' defense like batter. And, and that's that's exactly what. So it was missed tackles. There was an overthrow from a line out, and there was just a little bit of sloppy play from the Lions. And the minute it got sloppy from the Lions, the Jags were on it, and they were just there and clinical mm. and throwing these ridiculous passes. Actually, there was some interplay from the Jags. I think two of the both tries that got called back. I was going, <laughs> like, I'm actually, I'm very glad I got called back because of the scoreline, but what cool rugby to watch. Yeah. Mm. It's also, like, I must say, and I know I always hop on about this, but um, the Jags still kept giving away penalties all over the place. Yeah. It was raining yellow cards that game. And um, that's just classic Jags. They get under your skin and they frustrate the hell out of you. And it seemed like the Lions was rife for the frustrating. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's going to work against a couple of teams. No, so. definitely. And I, well, that was one of the things I did see as well. We conceded points while there was a yellow card or while the Jags had a yellow card. Yeah. So, I mean, we had, a, we had an opportunity and then, you know, you're on the back foot. And psychologically also, that's a big blow because they're 14 men, they're still scoring points. What, yeah. what yeah. are you going to do? Um, and then obviously Elton, like I've said, you know, four attempted tackles, four missed tackles. If if you're going to run a ten all day and just glide through, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, you know, I, I've never felt like Elton was the most uh, calm person under pressure, and we've seen him buckle. His BMT has been lacking in occasion. Um, I'm I'm his biggest fan. I think the kind of rugby he can play is brilliant. Um, he just doesn't always play it. Um, and yeah, he's the kind of guy that's like, he, he rattles, he does rattle, and he got rattled then. He even shanked a, a penalty, um, no, no, sorry, a, a penalty kick for, for space. It was like, he, he was falling apart and the, the whole team followed suit, you know. Well, I mean, the, the, you might actually have to look at creating a defensive system around Elton Yanchis at some point and going, okay, on defense, you don't stand at 10, you stand at like... Uh, <laughs> the, wing Quaid, the, the Quaid Cooper yeah. uh, philosophy. You go play fullback. <laughs> yeah. Put him at the other wing where they're not running towards. Sure. And, but also the line selection, like just a couple of things I was looking yeah. at. And you've got guys with experience, but you're putting in very, very young guys, green guys, and yeah. going, you know, especially first trip in Argentina... It's so hard to go and play there, and now you're. Uh, but what else are you gonna do? You know, we've got to, we've got to. But you've got guys like Similani no, yeah. back home. You're not even putting him on the plane, and then. Awkward, yeah. Yeah, or you get you get like a blood bin in the first second on the guys like probably HIA, and then you're going okay now who plays twelve? <laughs> so just from a planning point of view, it could be a bit better, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, Keegs, uh, isn't uh, this the new lines coach, your old conditioning coach? Hmm. What is the man thinking? Like Tian Swanepoel instead of. Uh, Tyrone Green at fullback, then also no Simulane. Uh, 
I, I sometimes I didn't, I didn't understand the philosophy and then Dan Krill had insights into town. So <laughs> I don't know what was it's going on. It's just a rebuilding it. I'm a little bit skeptical of the choice and I understand like he's been in the setup and he's been around he's been around the block. Don't get me wrong. He started right up training the, the under 19 UJ side mm-hmm. and he worked his way up right through the ranks right up to the Lions. Um, and I think he's a great conditioning coach but from a rugby perspective, I you know I don't know what kind of input he's going to have. Yeah, um, it's it's a bit of a it, it seems to me honestly like they had no one else, and they were just like, well, who do we trust? Who knows the systems? Let's put this open. Well, lucky the Green Oaks had such a good conditioning coach because you're right, they got sent to Argentina to be Bluxem properly. Yeah. yeah, well, that's. <laughs> but I mean, I suppose that. If, you, if that's your starting point for the season, it can only get better. So yeah. I think you'll see the youngsters start pulling together. And I think the, I think Van Rijn, it is Van Rijn, yeah. Yeah. Cash, yeah. He, he'll, he'll get there. I think we'll have you, after the season, obviously, you'll be able to see what kind of coach he is. Mm. But it does sound like there is a lot of cohesion in the Lions camp. And I think the boys do want to play for him. And I think he's got that kind of mentality that the Lions have been fostering for the last couple of sure. years. So I think if they can build on that, I think we, we're not going to look too bad. Like Cav said, I don't think it's our year. Um, I'm, I'll be cautiously optimistic and say we might might sneak into a playoff place at best. Jeez. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's going to get much better than that. I have to say, um, is it Massain? Yes. Uh, the, the eighth man he had a couple of nice runs uh, during the game uh, get some good pace and for somebody to keep out uh, is it Diamani uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that, that takes him doing the first he's basically game, like the quickest over in the line exactly so. um, but yeah I'm saying that just to throw it in there I think no, he looked quite good. good game yeah. I think all the the Lions lose for is did play quite well because they had so much to do <laughs> yes <laughs> no, to defend well, yeah, yeah. all the tackling cover tackling <laughs> for Elton <laughs> Alton. <laughs> or speaking of number eights and loose forwards, I think um, Warren Whiteley's inclusion in the coaching setup. I think that's a fantastic, um, that's a fantastic choice. So it's not all doom and gloom. I think Cash just needs to kind of, you know, he needs to establish himself as a as a coach, as a rugby coach, not a conditioning coach. Um, and I think with Warren Whiteley by his side, I think that's going to really, really help. And, yeah. I, and Warren's. And I, we, I think we all, you know, secretly hope that Warren becomes the next best or biggest coach. That's my personal. I think he's got such a great rugby brain that he can really contribute in that in that regard in the future. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think also with the inexperience, you are going to make mistakes. Yes. So you've got a very inexperienced coaching staff. Sure. You've got a very very young team. Lions are going to make mistakes this season yes. and you know what, that's okay because it's like Cav said, building phase and you know, hopefully it doesn't get to the point where they make a mistake and then they keep making the same mistake. Yeah. Make a mistake, learn from it and then you, you're better for oh, it. I, I, was, I was nervous after the mass exodus, you know, everybody followed Akers uh, overseas and uh, we lost a lot of players and then we lost a lot of players again last season. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, no, this is, this is good. It's actually nice to be at square one sometimes. And um, yeah, like I said, the, the ingredients are there, let's bake a cake. <laughs> Actually, going back to the Sharks game quickly, one of the guys that has impressed me this weekend is James Fenter, who was a Lions player. He played for the Lions Six, last yeah. year, and I thought he was very good for the Sharks. So I think that going forward is going to be someone to watch. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
if we're talking about uh, some players specifically, why don't we move on to our next segment, uh, Player of the Week. Uh, anybody have, have... Jesus Christ. Does anybody have a case they'd like to make for, uh, for, for the Player of the Week? Player of the Week! Uh, we'll start. Um, uh, look on your arm. This is my Player of the Week. Um, looking at him is always your player. It's always my player of the week. Guys, we were, just remember the time that we were, we were doing the play. It was a World Cup, and yeah. it was astounding. So, but yes, he was he was very good. Um, didn't get many opportunities to run and, and do his, his dancing, but um, his defence, just cutting players down. Hey, Berger, Berger, Berger was, you know, he wasn't able to. He wasn't really able to do much. So. I think um, that was that was pretty pretty impressive. Um, and the first game of the season, you know, it's yeah. a good shot. And uh, also um, being made captain, I think yeah. that also says a lot about his leadership yeah. qualities and also the respect he commands, uh, yeah. not only from his own team. Oh, no, sorry, not only from the opposition, but also from his own team. Yeah, yeah. Who's so your player of the week then? Uh, my player of the week. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and steal yours and say who's your Yankees. Uh, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't think there's much more to be said. Uh, he he really almost played uh, Faf's game uh, in controlling it uh, from the base. Uh, a, a couple of accurate box kicks, uh, which is not the same as Faf, but uh, he, he gave good service. Um, he was constantly uh, sniping, looking for the next gap. Uh, yeah, I, th- I just think that for somebody where we were looking to take over as the next Springbok 9. Uh, if Faf is going to continue to play overseas and then if, if there's ever focus placed on picking home-based players first, I think at the moment uh, he's head and shoulders above anybody else uh, within the country. So sure. definitely uh, picked up where he left off uh, last year. James, why don't you go next? I'm scrambling now. I'm, also, Marcus, so. <laughs> I'm thinking about someone from the Stormers' back row because I think they all played really well. Um, and we've given it to Peter Steph so many times and I'm going to go yeah, I could see I think I think that whole but the whole back row from the Storm I thought really made a massive contribution to give them you know the dominance that they had yeah for me I think there are a couple of guys that um, I was impressed uh, started on a, on a proper role and looked really good and really solid um, in the first game for Super Rugby and I spoke about Sinatla um, I think Leitz had a good game, um, actually, uh, which uh, he, he was he was moving <laughs> towards having good games more than bad games last year. Um, and uh, the other the other guy that I should maybe mention that you guys might not be stoked about is uh, Mornay Stain. Yeah. I thought, despite how you guys don't like the way that Mornay Stain maybe plays rugby, quality to slot in and just yeah. hit Pulled that strings, every yeah. single time. But it's absolutely no different than when we saw him play for the yeah. Springboks. Most um, consistent. And that's that's impressive. And Butch James was trying to suck his dick commentating on that game as well. <laughs> but I could, I could I agree. You know, it just it just absolutely like masterclass, especially when it comes to the kicking game. Yeah. No, I, was, I don't know if you remember the, the comments I made uh, when we were watching it, and I was basically saying, you know what you're gonna get with Moneste. So if, just imagine being Moneste's wife. Like you know exactly what's coming. <laughs> it's planned out every Tuesday, every Thursday. Between seven and eight, you know, you know when the beds are, when the kids are going to bed. Uh, but again, it's yeah, a, but somebody like that, but he never fails. He never fails. Exactly, he doesn't mess around. So it's <laughs> no, if that's what you want. That's what you want. So yeah. what can you say? Um, 
Next one. Uh, Plonka of the week. Uh, I definitely... Okay, Damien. I'll start so no one steals mine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Cornell Hendricks for still not being able to catch a ball for the second week in a row when he's on the try line. Um, yeah, I just think that if he did score that try, it would have turned the game and it would have been a very different looking game. Actually, yeah, I was speaking to this uh, with, with you about this with you guys as well, is that Cornell Hendricks is a really great player and he's a bit of a stalwart now and he's awesome. But the thing is, like, he's playing wing and we, like we elect these wings to react nicely in those critical moments. Mm. So it's not just a case of, oh, I dropped the ball. If you dropped the ball playing centre, it would be a different story than if you dropped the ball on the line to score a try. You know? He actually yeah. has to get good yeah, at You don't expect yeah. that from a lock. Yeah. If a lock dropped, that in, in, or dropped the ball in that position, you'd be like, yeah, okay, not ideal, but fine. Wing drops in that position is like, why are you on the field? Yeah, It's pretty much in their job description. Yeah. You finish. Yes. That is, you're a finisher. Score the tries. Um, for my plank of the week, I'd like to put forward um, Fussy, uh, fullback f- oh, uh, for, <laughs> for the Sharks. I didn't think he had a, he, he didn't have a great game, but he didn't have a, a shocker either. Yeah. I'd like to point out the, the one moment that he had. All he had to do was step or run around the slowest backline player on the field, which is Mornay Stane, and he got absolutely cut in yeah, half by Stane. And it's, he, you could see he almost ran into it, and it's almost like he was surprised that he was going to be tackled. Yeah. Uh, but Fassi, my boy, listen, you've got plenty of pace, use it. Just don't run into Gokes, literally just run around Stane. So I'd say that was my plonker moment for the week. Um, I mean, uh, I think... <laughs> Probably the whole of the Lions team could have made a case for the, the Blanco of the week. But um, maybe it's best to give it to Elton because in his role as captain, he really needs to stand up and do something about, uh, especially when you're playing catch-up rugby and you're trying to calm the nerves. The last thing you want to do is make it worse rather than better. And it definitely seemed to me like he was the one buckling right along with his team. So maybe yeah. he can take the Blanco of the week title for everyone as well. And I also wasn't so pleased, uh, you can probably tell from the things I've said this far with uh, Roscoe Speckman, I really hope that this Oak can play some good rugby this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, like we, we already spoke about Roscoe, is, uh, yeah. is he just didn't stand up. So my plonker is uh, Louis Schroeder. Um, his delivery of a basically like is terrible. Um, I think with, with all the great scrum halves we have in this country and that are playing overseas, um, he is definitely far, far away from that type of caliber mm-hmm. of, of, of rugby. And then that light he comes on and scores on debut, um, Nohamba. And I sincerely hope this derails him and breaks his career. I've never really enjoyed it. It was a bit harsh, sorry. But um, I've never really enjoyed the way that he's played. He plays way too slow. Just going to throw it out there. Four balls were dropped from his delivery. So I don't know if that's if that's the player receiving, if he's passing to because every time the player received the ball, they were pretty much right on that defensive line. And when you're pushing boundaries like that, giving it the ball to a prop, you you you're pushing it. <laughs> you really are pushing it. I think that uh, that scrum off the replacement scrum off is it Nom- no, Nom- 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 I, I saw him in the warm-ups in the end of last year he looks like a treat yeah. of, a, of a scrum off for the future really looks good 
Yeah. Can I have an honourable mention there for Warwick Gallant and Johnny Quatter for the Falcon? I was going to see that. Proper Falcon. Here you go. I didn't see it. Yeah, I was in, uh, he, he connected him properly. No, it's good. Oh, okay. Yeah. That looks right so, nice. <laughs> so, you know, because that happened in a professional rugby match. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, going on to uh, our reference, uh, Kev specifically said that he has something this <laughs> early in the season already <laughs> to contribute to this segment. So, Kev, I'm going let to you, let you take this one. Yeah, I don't know. This section has turned for me into like the section where you philosophically rant about <laughs> more than directly. <laughs> I'm going to do it again because I didn't think any of the riffing was, was particularly bad. Um, there were a couple of calls uh, that I think were, were a little bit contentious. Um, the yellow card yeah. um, in the, um, the Stormers game. Um, and I mean, a number of the, the calls we can talk about, but really, I didn't think much happened that swung the tides in any uh, of the games. But what I did notice, particularly in, um, what's his name, Morris van is in his game, um, which Bulls, was the Bull Sharks and also Yaku Paper's game, um, was that these guys, they're like too familiar with the players. And what they end up doing is they don't call small things. And because they, they, they're making this decision, oh, well, it doesn't matter that much. And what ends up doing is that the, the boundaries get pushed further and further and further, um, and they don't actually stamp authority on the game. And that has to be done in the first five minutes. Mm. And we've seen it done lots of times. If that ball is a little bit skewed, no, I'm sorry, it can't be a little bit skewed, it needs to be straight. Yeah. And then if it's straight, the guys can do it, yeah. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> same thing with the offside line, and same thing with, I saw a lot of messy, messy rucks. I don't know what's gone on with the rack laws if we've just stopped blowing them. But but my understanding is that you have to support your own body weight when you steal a ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you don't control it, everyone just runs around thinking they're reaching the court. Yeah. yeah. I want pushing the <laughs> pushing the boundaries. I want a YouTube special where we get these guys uh, to take legal steals and we'll take steals from their legal steals and they must get into that exact same position, <laughs> <laughs> supporting their own weight yeah. on their feet. And then we can see some super impressive yoga. Because apparently, <laughs> apparently that's how good these guys guys are at stealing these balls but in reality what's happening is it's not being blown properly the release is not being blown properly and the body weight support is not being blown properly and i noticed many times um, <laughs> when you go in for the steal and you miss you missed yeah, yeah. back off yeah um for me not as philosophical um one particular incident i saw in i think it was a cheese game where the on-field team decision i'm oh, sorry the on-field ref decision was no try um, it was they weren't sure about the grounding and being in touch and the TMO looked at it and it wasn't conclusive but the TMO still changed the decision and I suppose that comes in with a grey area is that is the TMO there to assist the referee or make are they there to yeah. actually make a decision yeah. um, based on evidence that's not conclusive so then why have a ref on the field making yeah. calls? I just think in general, the, the refing could use a bit of firming up, you know, because they're, they're cracking down so hard on these um, alleged dangerous tackles. And what ends up happening is you get red cards out of nowhere mm. for incidents that you didn't think were that serious. Mm. And um, what isn't happening is they're not cracking down on the basic laws of the game. Mm. I mean, I watched uh, Morris van der game. Um, there was a knock-on. Um, which was then gathered by the opposition team, but on the ground, the player kept playing, knocked it out of his hands from the ground. 
Van Der Wester isn't just sort of like dismissed it and he was like, no, that's fine, we'll play the knock-on. But no, he hadn't blown the whistle. That's a penalty now and it makes a huge difference. Scrumming your 22 versus penalty out of your 22, that could be a potentially game-turning decision. Guys must follow the rules. The rules are simple. It's not for interpretation. I think maybe the refs have a bit too much leeway, a bit of a God complex at the moment. But I think... uh, World Rugby doesn't, or are they still World Rugby? Yeah. They are now, it's not the IRB. Um, they don't have, as, like, they won't come out and say something, and they won't come out and make a decision. I mean, we even saw it in the World Cup, there were like a couple of contentious decisions, and they were like, uh, um, yeah, I know we'll, we'll talk about it later. And then they never actually get to say, okay, this is how this particular incident should be refed. Yeah. So there's no, there's, like you said, a lot of interpretation. And there's no actual firm guidelines. I mean, there's the laws of the game, mm. but within that, there's massive interpretation. Yeah. So they, uh, World Rugby should just come out and say, okay, this is exactly how we expect you to ref this particular situation. Yeah, and I, I hope just uh, on, on the yellow card uh, in the, the Stormers game, I honestly hope that Willemse gets just torn to pieces by his teammates because he was competing for an Oscar there, uh, drawing that that's a yellow card. Yeah, I mean, he he went Did down. He like, it, eh? Oh, he mocked. Nah. It's it was disgusting actually. Like uh, you see that type of thing happening, you think if this turns into football, I'm switching off the TV. I was gonna say that about the refereeing actually, and uh, it goes hand in hand. I think if the refs don't stamp the authority in the first five minutes, as Cap said, the the players are gonna start pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. and it's gonna get to a point where you're going to start seeing players arguing with the referee and you know doing the typical footballer thing yeah. and that, that's a problem and then now you're starting to see theatrics exactly. in, the, in the contact area that's and TJ Prunora was blatantly rude the whole game and, and I mean a couple of years ago it would have been carded just, yeah. just for speaking yeah. like that to the ref but also I, I, I'm, the more I see it just because they're the captain they think they can say what they want to the ref. Yeah. Like I know no one else is allowed to talk to the ref, but even as captain, there should still be like respect, yeah, rapport, and yeah, decorum. Yeah. Yeah. But that's TJ Perinaro. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. which I think is probably a really piss poor decision on the coaching staffs. You know, they should not have made him captain. No. He might be one of the most experienced players, but from a it doesn't mean you're a good leader. No. And he just talks. If you watch him, he is talking the entire game. As a scrum half, fantastic. Get under the player's skin. Irritate people. Great. But as a captain, don't piss the ref off. And that's probably <laughs> what, what he does. Yeah, that's 101. Well, but if we look um, ahead to, to next week's game, uh, three games that the South African sides are playing in. So we've got the Sharks versus the Highlanders uh, away. Then we've got the Lions versus the Reds. Uh, they'll be at home for that one. And then the Stormers versus the Bulls. Uh, so three, three nice games. Uh, hopefully... Uh, well, there's definitely going to be one win at least with the Storm is playing the balls. Um, but uh, uh, Sharks, Highlanders, what do you guys think about that? It's, it's a long ways away, um, obviously, but the Highlanders, did they play? No, they so their first game. I was going to say they didn't look that great. That's probably because they didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, Sharks, if they, if they can have a copy-paste of, of this game, I think they, they're in with the Sharks. I think also because they've got an extra week of rugby under their belt. I know they've got to travel, but I think that will make a difference. Yeah, yeah and I think the, the win um, now uh, will help them uh, yeah. on the trot um, against the um, Highlanders who haven't played yet, so, mm-hmm. so they'll be having to get out there fresh. Yeah. Butterflies. Yeah. I think um, 
also historically the the sharks have played a little bit better overseas than the rest, than the rest of the yeah. South African sides. Um, I think that's a good point. I never actually thought of that. How did the Highlanders? It'll be their first game, exactly. which is a massive. They'll be rusty. Game. Yeah, they're going to be a bit rusty. So I hope that is in our favour. And I think also, I mean, just from a, a weather perspective, if the Sharks can get most of their away games out of the way first, because trying to play in Durban at the moment with that humidity, I mean, in January, we've started to be rugby in January, which is insane. Yeah. The ball's always going to be slippery. It's never going to be, you know, nice to, to play there. So if they can play all their away games first, almost try to get them out of the way, you come back with to a, to a Durban that's, a bit better suited for rugby in late stages of February, March. So, mm. yeah. Uh, Lions, Reds, Lions home. Oof, I really, really have to back the Lions here because, I mean, if you lose to the Reds, what is your season looking like? <laughs> Turn off the lights, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it. I think it's an important game for the Lions actually because um, it's going to be our first game at home in Super Rugby, and uh, we want to see how the guys react to the Ellis Park um, feeling because it's been a fortress in the past. Um, and as Damien says, the Reds are beatable. Um, so if it's going to happen, it's mm. going to happen this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've also got our best friend, Altitude. And, I mean, the Reds' first game on tour. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's this early in the season, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It's true. You're, so we've got a Lions, Lions, and a... Lions, yeah. I hope the Lions also pull it out. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a long season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stormers Bulls, that should be an interesting one. I think Stormers. Oh, it's Stormers in Cape Town, hey. Mm. Yeah, building off of what happened, I mean, the, the money should be on Stormers. Yeah. Um, I don't think Bulls will go down without a fight. I thought they, they did rock up to that derby, especially in the, the first half. Mm. Um, so maybe the Bulls will have uh, gone back and fixed a lot of the problems that they did have. Um, and uh, if, if the Stormers uh, can, can give us a repeat of what happened this last weekend, um, then they'll look like our conference winners even this early on. Mm. Um, but let's see if they do, you know. I think it'll be a great game to watch. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe my, my most important game for the next weekend. That should be a goodie. Mm. I, uh, go for it. I'm going to go against the grain. Uh, as much as it hurts me to say, I think the Bulls are going to grind it out. I think you're going to see a very, very close game mm. that's physical. Uh, and I think you know, with this kicking of Monestane versus the kicking of Damon Phillips, I think. Sure. <laughs> well, Dams, we'll see who's wearing the yellow cap next week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think you've got a point. If if there's anybody who's going to kick the Stormers into corners and expose the shortcomings uh, of their back three, it would be Monestane. He'll be able to pull it, put it on the string. So Fair it'll be should, should be, it'll be a very good game. I think it'll be a close game. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I just hope, like we've been saying for, I think, the last six months, you've got talent on the wings, use it, mm. get the guys the ball, let them uh, show off uh, some, some steps and some roundings. Which are, um, do we know what happened uh, with the, the sevens? Do we know if the, the box won? Because I know we were playing against Fiji in the final, hey? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can quickly look it up. Um, I'm Jamie in the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, any, anything else? Um, obviously, it'll, we'll have to see what happens with uh, the two injuries. Uh, uh, was there any big uh, injuries for the Lions? Nothing for the Bulls. I didn't um, see anything. I, I saw, I think it was Dan Creel went off early. I don't know if he came back on. 
he split. He literally got an elbow straight off kickoff. They both went up for the ball. Oh, okay. Matt just blood straight away, um, straight off. So, but one of the big Jags injuries I did see was that uh, I think it's Diaz Bonilla. Yeah, yeah. The their ten. Yeah, yeah. Was off very early because Miotti dominated that game and he was on the bench and he came and scored. I think he scored like a try and then all the kicks. That's a bright future. And then I saw uh, our favourites, Crema, uh, got another yellow card. Yeah, yeah. So no, look, the Jags, the Jags love a card, eh? They really don't mind one. No, maybe maybe it's worked into their contracts as incentives. Actually, like you get a bonus. You know who I am surprised? Yellow. I'm very surprised Yanni Dukas, he didn't get a card this weekend because surely that's a record. <laughs> one game. Might be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did he give away any penalties? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nothing's come out yet, eh? It said that kickoff was at, call it, what is it, at 5 to 12. Okay. But yeah, nothing we'll is... We'll next yeah. weekend. Next Tell you guys next weekend what happened. Not the issue. Although <laughs> you, well, our listeners will probably know already. They're probably more than <laughs> yeah. we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, thanks, guys, uh, for joining uh, the, the first week's podcast. Uh, lovely as always. Twenty uh, twenty. Big season of rugby to look forward to, Yahoo. and we literally got rugby starting in Jan. Uh, Damien got the results. Got the results. PG twelve ten. We have to end it on a bad note. Eh? No, <laughs> that, that was, you could have just, just lied to us. You, yeah. you could have just lied to us. <laughs> that was such a good better. time. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, guys, playing advantage to the rugby podcasts. We're four mates chat about everything. Yes, I rugby without outing ourselves too seriously. I was wondering when you were going to throw that. In. I had to. It's <laughs> like much. right at the top, and I was like, didn't come. But okay, this is going to be interesting. I fooled you. But yeah, uh, look out for us. Uh, we've expanded the podcast. It'll be available on all of the. Uh, music sites, so everywhere from um, all the other sites. Sorry, it's a, I, I'm struggling to recall uh, the, the sites now. But anyways, Cast yeah, the Castbox, Spotify, Spotify uh, YouTube, all those nice things. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to, to chatting to you boys again uh, next Saturday. Let's hope some good rugby continues. Yeah, thanks. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Bye. Guys.